Floorcrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. I crossed up by Kobe. Well, floated Shaq. And then Shaq goes like this. And the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, fun. But I didn't make my point. I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clover Crest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Let's say goodbye to all your worries about tax planning, investment troubles, and any confusion when it comes to managing your finances and money. Here at Rocky Hill Accountants, our team has a combined 35 years of experience and will help you do it right. We're dedicated to your needs and will deliver on a result that is professional and trustworthy. Our firm is large enough to offer a full range of professional services, but small enough to give you the individual attention that you deserve. Our business portfolio includes thousands of prepared tax returns for individuals, families, partnerships, businesses, and more. The team at Rocky Hill Accountants are also thoroughly trained in tax laws and procedures. We have the ability to represent taxpayers before the IRS when they arrive at collections, audits, and appeals. This allows us to offer our accuracy and audit guarantee to tax clients. Please visit our website at RockyHillAccountants.com or give us a call at 860-257-4238 to schedule an appointment. It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? Oh! High fly ball, right field. Grossman back, track, wall, see ya! Into the second deck. A grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge. And the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Welcome to Sports Talk with R&J. I'm Steve Risser, along with Judson Anafrio. And uh, training camps have opened up across the NFL. Uh, and uh, Aaron Rodgers, he is back. He is back playing with the uh, Green Bay. He is going to be back this year playing with the Green Bay Packers this year. And uh, this, this should be a, you know, you see his, his contract. His contract is uh, – His contract is uh, – He's he's back. He's got structure, and he's back at the Packers. Just your thoughts. You're playing with the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I figured they try to get something done with them. Um, you know, again, read. Yeah, they kind of be readjusted where he'd be free at the end of the year. It sounds like now. Um, you know, for Packers. I guess you know, good that you know. I guess they're going to get him back. You know, for Rodgers, I guess this gives. Now, you know, a lot of leverage now for next offseason. But, um, you know, one last ride here for Rodgers and um, Adams here. But, um, you know, you figured they were going to get something done. And, I, you know, I don't know why, you know, they couldn't figure this out earlier. I, You know, this is something they could have solved like two months ago, two, three months ago. But, um, yeah. Um. But yeah, so you back, Steve? You here? But yeah, um, you know, for the Packers at, right now, you know, going to be an SC 
title contender with the with the Buccaneers. Obviously, if Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to be there, um, it sounded like Jordan Love, the Packers don't think is ready yet. So yeah, it was huge that they are going to get Aaron Rodgers back for at least one more year. It gives one more year development for Jordan Love, where he kind of watch, sit back, and listen to um, or you know, and observe Aaron Rodgers one more time before you know um, whatever Rodgers ends up doing in the offseason or signing with. Um, so um, just a you know for the Packers, big that they get one more chance here with um, with Aaron Rodgers with going you know staying in Green Bay, which you kind of fear was going to happen. Uh, I guess I'm feeling for Steve. But, Justin, do you think with uh, w- the Packers knowing Aaron Rodgers is on the outs, do you think Jordan Love could take a couple snaps uh, down down the stretch this season? I could maybe see it if it's a situation where they're out at, you know, playoff contention, what I don't think is going to happen. You know, I could see it some, like, something like that. Or, yeah, I could see it if they've already clinched the bye for week one or they're already kind of seeded in a spot where they're not going to move up and down the last few weeks. Then, yeah, I could see Jordan Love going out there, you know, the final week or two, playing a couple games, getting his feet wet for the following season. Yeah, I mean, we will see. It has been like a drama, like a soap opera in Green Bay with this uh, this whole offseason. And finally, we do have some sort of resolution which uh, should be interesting to see what comes from that. But uh, let's move on to something that we don't have any resolution from, Deshaun Watson and the mess that he's going through. Now the Texans are still opening opening up to trading him. Uh, I I have heard reports from Adam Schefter saying the Eagles are a team that might be looking to get to him. But, I mean, is he realistically going to – Touch the field at all this season in your eyes, Justin? I don't know. Like, I, this is such a tough situation. I, you know, we hear your thoughts, tune a minute, Jace, but because we haven't, you know, they, I haven't heard anything on the investigation. You know, it, again, if it's 22 females that are, you know, accusing them here, like filing a lawsuit against them, it, they can't be making it up. Something has to be going on that, you know, we need to find out. If I'm a GM, I wouldn't even try. I wouldn't even touch them right now. I, you know, I think it's too risky. I, you know, I'm like, who knows? You'd be suspended for half season, maybe suspended for full season. I don't know. We, you know, they started this investigation on what, like January? This thing came out. So it, it's very, very odd. As Steve, can you, uh, gotcha. I uh, gotcha. Okay. So you're talking about the Deshaun yeah, Watson situation. And yeah, yeah, I mean, you're looking at us, you're looking at some teams for Deshaun Watson. I mean, yeah, it, it, I think right now because you've seen the Texans, they they want three first round picks for Deshaun Watson. That, that's that's a that's a that's a that's a hefty price right there for Deshaun Watson. They want three first round picks, and it's and and uh, I'm fifty fifty on it. I think that the Texans, I think that they, uh, I think that they they obviously want to trade him, but I, I just don't think a team is going to be you know a team's going to give up that much. It, I mean, I could see a team like the Broncos, you know. You know, giving up, uh, giving up three first round picks, but you're giving up three first round picks for a guy who could be in jail. Absolutely, and that's why, yeah, I, I totally agree. With that. That's why I don't think you you can make the move right now if you are opposing GM, like you know, um, you know, like a Denver. It's just yeah, it's too risky. We don't know anything. You know, he could be he could face jail time. We don't know, and it's you know, 
that's a um hefty price it you know to trade for and yeah you have no idea what the future is going to look like for deshaun watson right now we we don't know anything maybe some of these gms know a little bit more than they probably do know some more than we do right now but still i you know it it can't be enough to kind of be for certain here that they can absolutely trade them oh absolutely not i mean you can't trade for a guy that you know is going to be in could, could potentially be in prison in uh any year so that's just a humongous humongous risk absolutely it, it is it's, you know those first round picks are you know um you know very valuable to a franchise and you give up a, you know three of them and yeah you may not get you know the quarterback you know maybe you get them for a year or two but maybe but yeah it just it, it would not be a very good situation it looked bad for the fan base and then again if he goes a pretty is it something is it a situation where it's like you know a fan base or you're for an organization i mean where it's like you can't even keep them anymore like you, you know you have to get rid of them just because it's, it's bad pr i think something you may have to factor as well absolutely 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 so i was looking at the teams that would be potential suitors for watson it would probably be the, the broncos the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Eagles, and the Panthers. Those would be the teams I would th- I think would be potential suitors. But if you look at the Broncos, would probably be the most likely because do you think they're going to go into the season with True Lock? We, we don't know that. Uh, the Raiders, uh, I think they're st- they're still obviously going to go into the season with Derek Carr, even though John Gruden he likes Derek Carr, he loves Derek Carr. They're going to go into the season with Derek Carr. The the uh, the, the Dolphins, uh, obviously they're committed to Tua, but you you never know what kind of move they could make. Uh, the the Eagles with Jalen Hurts, that's another team that's had a lot of interest. And then the Panthers, but they got Sam Darnold. So I'd say the Broncos would be the team that would be the, that would, if, the, if someone would land them, that would be the team. But, but uh, to me, uh, I, I think that, uh, I think there's a, a chance, a good chance he'd stay in Houston this year. I think so too. I think he'll end up in Houston. Uh, he'll be staying in Houston, you know, until some of this gets cleared up and we kind of figure out what's, what's going on behind, you know, um, you know, maybe when we get some of this investigation comes out, but yeah, you know, I, I think Devert's the favorite. I also have Carolina on that list. Again, if Sam Darnold doesn't work out, Deshaun uh, Watson played down in Clemson in that area. I think, you know, people in that area would love to see Deshaun Watson come back and try to lead that Panthers team back to the playoffs. Yeah, with I had the Raiders too, Derek Carr in his final year, John Gruden, you know, likes him, but yeah, I, I think John Gruden, Watson's there. He, absolutely take them um obviously i guess denver yeah who knows what drew locks drew locks gonna happen there i thought maybe if it's end of you know or like next offseason maybe pittsburgh with big ben retiring if this kind of continues over to the offseason i think it could be a real possibility pittsburgh they don't really have a future quarterback yet this is it for big ben um i, I think that could be another possibility and then I have Washington too. Again, that would be another kind of end of season, off season. You know, Fitzpatrick's on a one year deal. Um, you know, they don't have a future quarterback. The only bad, the only thing is, it's like you know, they've kind of gone through their own, you know, issues right now. Washington. I don't know if Watson walking in there would kind of be a good luck of we're changing the culture in Washington. So I think that one may be a little bit too far off, but maybe. Maybe Washington will go after him as well. If it's an off-season move. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting, and obviously with Aaron Rodgers, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. If Deshaun Watson gets traded, there's probably a very good chance Aaron Rodgers is gonna get traded in the off-season. And you and Jason are probably talking about that. That I mean, if because this is probably gonna be Rodgers' last year with the Green Bay Packers. So if 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 Watson gets traded, 
uh, before the season, I think there's a very good chance Aaron Rodgers gets traded uh, uh, after this after the season. Yeah, I, I could totally see it, and yeah, that's probably going to totally set the market of what Green Bay is probably going to be able to get for Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, he's older than Watson, but still a top of line quarterback. So yeah, absolutely. If Watson gets traded, um, yeah, we were probably going to be able to see Rod Rodgers, yeah, getting traded next off season. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll see what happens there. Obviously, with training camps opening, got two quarterbacks who, uh, who, 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 who are, could be very easily be on the move. Watson uh, before this season and Rodgers after the next season. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens there. But we'll get to two other players that went out. We'll start with Xavier and Howard in the uh, AFC East, and that's with the Dolphins. And uh, he, 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 he said yesterday that he wants out of Miami. He's not happy with his contract. And 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 per, and personally, uh, right right now, I think this is a bad move by the Dolphins to uh, not extend him. I think if you look at the guys who are getting paid, who are getting paid, Ramsey's getting paid twenty million a year. Uh, Merlin Humphrey, the Ravens, getting paid nineteen million a year. Tredavious White getting paid seventeen million a year. Uh, Darius Slay getting paid sixteen million a year. Byron Jones sixteen and a half. So right now, Howard's uh, he's not even getting paid in the top five. He's a top five corner. So I think Miami should have redone his deal, extend his contract. Now they're they're. There, I, there's a really, really good chance that they're going to lose him. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there, there is. He's one of the top cornerbacks right now. He had a great season last year. I think he was up there most interceptions in the league. I'm kind of on the Dolphins side here. I know, yeah, he's a little bit underpaid. I know they just did this thing like two years ago. I, I think in that situation, I know he should be getting paid more. I don't know, you know. Dolphins, I think some have some still some cap room left, but you know, why don't you go out there, go try to win like a Super Bowl, you know, you know, with Byron Jones, because they have a really good defense. I know he wants it, but why didn't you bet on yourself a few years ago and, and kind of do a short term extension and then wait to like last offseason, this offseason, and then go get your big money? I, I would have, you know, I, I think he said too, he didn't understand the, you know, contract to say at that time but it's like that's why you have an agent to kind of help you with that so i'm kind of on the you know then you should have a couple years ago you know bet on yourself a little bit more than than he did um but yeah you should probably get paid more but look if the dolphins you know they're totally i know he didn't show up to training camp so i know there's a good chance they could very well lose him um very soon but i would like for him to um you know, play play through it for another – just see what happens. Because, again, it's a team that, you know, maybe they add a couple more – you know, they, they have a chance to get the playoffs. I don't think they have a chance to win a Super Bowl, but they have a chance to maybe make it wrong, especially with that defense they have. Yeah, that, that leads me to, to my next – to my question is, are they a playoff team without him? I think they're close to a playoff team, but I, I think they are a playoff team with him. But I think without him – there's, there's no way there. Not no way, but I, I don't think, I think, I don't think they're a playoff team without him because the way the Dolphins play, they play a lot of man coverage and they, and they, they use cover zero more than any team in the NFL in the last five years, last season. So they like Brian Flores likes to blitz a lot. I, I don't think I, 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 honestly, I don't think I don't think they're a playoff team with even though I think Tua makes a jump this year. I think I think I think he's better this year. I don't think they're a playoff team without uh, without uh, without Xavier and Howard. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I agree. I think they just miss it by a game or two. Um, I just be yeah, you know, obviously you said they do play man a lot, man, a lot of man coverage, and then it would be separating probably Noah, um, 
big about this, the uh, first or second round pick last year out of Washington with Dawn. Um, he played, you know, in the time last year, wasn't bad or anything. I don't know if he could be the shutdown number two. I, I don't, he's not going to be the number two or the number one corner. He's not going to be able to step into that spot. Like, shut down for them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he is. So he wouldn't be able to step into that second, the second corner spot and be shut, yeah, shut down as Xavier Howard is. So, yeah, I think there will be some struggles for the Dolphins. Um, you know, in, in man coverage, I think teams would be able to expose that. So I, I think the Dolphins, I, they still definitely would have a chance without them. But yeah, in that tough AFC East with the Bills and the Patriots, it, it's not gonna, it's not guaranteed that they finish in the top two. Oh, uh, oh, uh, yeah. Oh no, no. And I think the big question we're gonna ask next is, are the Patriots a better team than the Dolphins? I think it's really close between the two teams right now. I think, I, I think with Howard, the Dolphins are a better team, but I think it's really close. I think. I think obviously the Dolphins are going to go a better quarterback play. I think they got better skill guys. The Patriots have a better offensive line. Uh, the 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 uh, Patriots have a better defense. I think all around. I think the Patriots have a better defense. But I think the quarterback play and the receivers, they, I think, make the difference though with, with 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 those two teams. So I do think the Dolphins are a little bit better than the Patriots. But Justin, are the Patriots a better team than the Dolphins if 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 uh, Xavier and Howard ends up getting traded? I think they are a little bit better. You know, because I think when you put the you know corner, I you know. Um, then JC Jackson's, you know, would be the best number two corner on both sides. Um, I think the Patriots defense then is still just a tad bit better than the Dolphins. Um, offensively, you know, who knows what's starting at quarterback. I think both teams are kind of I think the Dolphins are a little bit better quarterbacks. I don't think we really know what we're getting out at either Patriot quarterback right now, whoever wins that job, Jones or Newton. Um so on the offensive side, I think Dolphins are a bit better, and then I, I think on the defense side, New England is. So I, I for me, it's pretty much a toss-up because it's, it's kind of split both ways. Um, but I, I, I'll give the, I'll you know, I kind of give the edge to New England just a little bit because I think with how big of a loss Howard is, I think it's a big hole to fill in the Dolphins' defense. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, for a team that plays a lot of man coverage and a guy who plays man coverage well. That'll be a really, really big hole. Flores can't play the way he wants to play defensively. So I definitely think if, if Howard leaves, that deep, I think that defense is going to take, take a drop off this year too because they were a little bit lucky last year. They forced a lot of turnovers, and that sometimes doesn't hold up. So I think that defense takes a little bit of a drop off this year, but that defense could definitely take a drop off, especially if uh, if Xavier and Howard is gone. I, I definitely expect that out of the Dolphins. I, I definitely expect that from the Dolphins' defense. But we got to talk about another guy who wants out, and that's uh, – and that's, um, and that's uh, Chandler Jones. He uh, he he wants out. He's not happy with his contract, and he wants to be traded. He wasn't. Ha- I, I, I bet he wasn't happy that the, the uh, Texans went out and got to sign JJ Watt. I mean, he's coming off an injury from last year, and I think teams that that want him, the Ravens, the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins that would make a lot of sense. You know, mm. trade Xavier Howard for uh, Chandler Jones. That would definitely make a lot of sense. You got the Giants, the Bills, and the Chargers. Those are teams that could trade uh, both, both that, that 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 could make sense for uh, Chandler Jones to be traded to. Yeah, absolutely. The, the Cardinals one makes a lot of sense. They need some help in that secondary still. So that, that'd be a nice one um, to get him. But um, yeah, with Jones, it's final year of the contract. I get it. You know, wants, wants the extension. Um, I know he showed up. I guess he he's looked good so far. But um, yeah, you know, Ravens, yeah, they need another pass rusher, especially in that, um, a, that tightly competitive AFC North division. Giants could definitely use another um, 
pass rush as well. Because I know that was one of your bigger needs in the offseason, and they really didn't address it. So that be, that'd be another nice piece there if, if the Giants could get Chandler Jones. Miami, too, or Miami, he goes, you know, um, under four, as, as, as you mentioned, they love the blitz. That'd be a nice buy because two years ago, he's coming off of 12 and a half, 13 half, 13 and a half sacks. Um, 2018, and had a really good year before the injury. So, um, yeah, I could see any of those teams that do need um, another edge rusher. You're going to get a good one. Um, and, and probably it definitely being try to be able to re-sign him because um, he, he's really been good the last few years as long as, as, long as he's healthy, uh, which just sounds like, he, sounds like he is of what I've been reading. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, if he's healthy. I mean, he led the league in sacks in uh, in two thousand. Yeah, he led the league in sacks in two thousand nineteen. So if you can get a guy like Chandler Jones, I think teams may not want to risk it because of the injury, but still, I mean, he's still one of the top top ten pass rushers in the league if you can get him. Yeah, absolutely. He he is, and yeah, even though it's on the final year deal, yeah, it's coming off an injury. But you know, all those teams that we kind of mentioned: Baltimore Giants, you know, uh, Miami Ravens. Like they're all, you know, like. You know, all those teams are close to a playoff team or, you know, pretty much a playoff team. It's, you know, we can kind of take you to the next step there with Chandler Jones. So I, I think it it's something where it's worth if it's, you know, we're in a spot where you don't have to give up too much. Then I, I think you, you know, you go you go after him because he, he's he's a type of guy that could really change your whole defense and um, give you a boost for, you know, for a team, in the, you know, for a team trying to get, you know, to a Super Bowl or, you know, or just trying to get to the playoffs. Absolutely. 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 So, yeah, we'll see what happens there with Chandler Jones. I mean, as I said, the trade between him and Xavier, Howard, Xavier and Howard, that definitely could make a lot of sense for both teams. We'll look at another player, uh, Michael Thomas, who who is going to start the year for the Saints on the pup list uh, due to having ankle surgery, and uh, and there's a very good chance he might land stay on the pup list uh, to start the season. If that's happens, if that happens, he's out for the first six weeks. You look at that early season schedule for the Saints. They open up with the Packers. We're going to have Aaron Rodgers now. Week two, they're in Carolina, an improved Carolina team. Week three, they're in New England, an improved New England team. Week four, they host the Giants, and then week five, they're at Washington. So that's so that's so that's difficult. They very easily could start one and four or two and three. And they if they really can't get in a hole because they get in a hole and they, and they don't know who their quarterback's going to be either. If it's going to be uh if it's going to be J- Jalen Hurts or if it's going to be no no my bad my, my bad if it's going to be a Taysom Hill or if it's going to be uh if it's going to be Jameis Winston so that they don't even know who their quarterback's going to be so so they're in some trouble right now. Uh, so we'll 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 see what happens there with 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 the, with the Saints. But I, I think if if they, they, they if if Michael Thomas is out, they're probably going to get off to a slow start. Yeah, I can see it too, especially that they it's a pretty young receiving core behind it. And it's not, you know, I think Taquan Smith was, you know, second last year with like 34 catches. Like they don't have a ton behind them. So yeah, it's a it's a big problem. I know they just signed Chris Hogan. He hasn't really played now. He he didn't play last year in the league. So it's a good kind of veteran move for a lot of guys that are younger in that wide receiver um core, but it's a tough schedule in you know, to have Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill, two, you know, two quarterbacks, either one's going to start. Yeah, you would love to have Michael Thomas in there. And yet it's not a, it's not an easy start, especially, you know, at Carolina's not going to be easy. At Washington's not going to be easy. So, yeah, you know, losing Thomas for the first six weeks, it, it you're definitely putting yourself in a big hole. They're going to need guys like a Adam Trotman, you know, a tight end kind of step up. Do they move tight Montgomery back to wide receiver just – for a little bit more depth, you know, um, 
it'll be interesting. You know, Sean Payton's genius offensively, so we'll kind of, you know, be, you know, we'll probably figure out something. But yeah, it's it's going to be a big hole to fill because they, they, you know, last year offensively, they, they, you know, they had their struggles at times without him. So that could be the same thing. And now if you don't have Drew Brees under center. And a big reason they had their struggles offensively is Drew Brees couldn't push the ball down the field. Now looking at the – I think a big reason if you don't have Michael – and they didn't have Michael Thomas for a lot of the year last year too, but they still had had a top – I mean, Drew Brees wasn't great, but he's still the top 15 quarterback in Drew Brees. He was still really, really accurate. He still had pinpoint accuracy. He was still really accurate. Now say you don't have that Michael Thomas and you lost Jared Cook and you lost Emmanuel Sanders because you, you were way over the cap. You're going to be in big trouble. Your offense is going to be in big trouble, especially with the with the quarterback like like Jameis Winston, who we've seen has been inconsistent, and then you have an inexperienced quarterback in Taysom Hill. So you're obviously in big trouble if if if, if you don't have him have him, have him to start the year. And I wrote an article about that. You're going to be in huge trouble if you don't have him to start the season. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you will be because yeah, he's one of the best in the league. I know. Yeah, he missed a lot of time last year, but still, when he's on the field, he's one of the best wide receivers. And yeah, and you know, the thing is too, because he's not practicing now. He's not getting any reps in with Winston or um, Taysom Hill. They none of, their timing's not getting down in any of that. They're not going to play any preseason games together. So, yeah, it, it's huge even for a time like now to kind of just to, you know, get some reps in together. Because, yeah, you know, I guess it helps that, it, you know, he out for the first six weeks. At least the good or the good thing about that, that bye is, yeah, they'll have week six off and, you know, um, you won't miss that sixth game. But. Yeah, it's you know, um, it's going to be a huge loss for a team that did yeah struggled to push push the ball down the field. Yeah, and we know Winston's kind of had his you know problems with the interceptions, and Hill um, Hill doesn't have a great arm. He's a great runner, big you know, he's got size, but doesn't have much of um, you know the arm strength's kind of not there, and yeah, doesn't really have a ton of experience. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Hill with not a lot of experience. Winston has the arm strength, but he's been uh, turnover prone. So, yeah, if you and obviously, as I said in my article, the Saints roster just isn't as good. Losing Jared Cook, uh, losing Emmanuel Sanders, losing Janoris Jenkins, losing Sheldon Rankins, losing Quan Alexander. Their roster is still a top 10 roster, but it's not as good this year. So, Michael uh, Alvin Kamara is, is is probably their best player. Michael Thomas is probably their second best offensive player. So they're going to need him because they could shut the, if a team can shut down Kamara in the run game. I know Kamara is good in the receiving game, but if you could shut down Kamara in the running game, the Saints could be in very very. It could be in a lot of trouble. Absolutely, they they very well they very well can be. He's one of the best backs, and yeah, you know, it, it's a lot easier when you just have the game plan around Kamara instead of him and Michael Thomas. It makes things a lot easier for defenses, especially. Yeah, they're facing, you know, this first five weeks, they're facing some pretty good defenses. So it's going to be a tough little climb for New Orleans. Uh, absolutely. 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 So we'll wrap up our NFL talk talking about uh, Jonathan Allen, who signed a four-year, $72 million deal with the with the Washington football team on, uh, on, uh, on Monday. And this is one of the better defensive tackles in the league. I think Washington, their main focus is they want to pay this guys in this defensive line. They Obviously, they're going to give Chase Young a ton of money in the future. They obviously got a – Montez Sweat, and, and now they've started it by paying Jonathan Allen. So their goal is to build this defensive line and then eventually find and then eventually find a quarterback. But they're building this defensive line, and I like this move. I think this shows you that they're really investing in, in, a, in a real strength on this team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you saw the Niners do the same thing with their defensive line a few years ago. And, you know, obviously I don't watch it down a Super Bowl contender, but, you know, obviously trying it back to the end. Obviously they need a quarterback first and, you know, some more offensively. But, yeah, it's nice to see Washington kind of pay one of their guys here, one of the better guys, Jonathan Allen. Um, 
you know, had, you know, he's been one of the better defense tackles in the league the last few years. Um, it's a good move, you know, because yeah, their strength is defense. We know off, you know, offensively that Fitzpatrick, we know some weeks he's great, some weeks, you know, he, you know, he'll throw five turnover, you know, he'll throw four, four interceptions. So, you know, with this defensive line, it's going to keep them a lot of games. And, you know, for kind of all their issues they're having offense, they still could contend for the NFC. So, continue, you know, continue to bulk up that defensive line. Um, he's been good. So, Smart move because it's one of the better defensive lines in the National Football League. It absolutely is. And I'm, as a Giants fan, I'm not looking forward to the Giants having to face that defensive line twice a year for, for a long time. Yeah, but that's not going to be fun. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. It's not going to be fun at all as a Giants fan. But we got the NBA draft uh, coming up on Thursday night, and we got our mock drafts ready. But before we un- unveil those, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. The Closing Time Podcast is back. Sponsored by Rocky Hill Accountants. I'm Joe Aguirre. I'll have a brand new co-host, Sanam Salati, who's my broker, my mentor, and my good friend, and one of the most knowledgeable people in Connecticut in the entire real estate industry. We're going to be talking about the latest goings-on. We'll keep you up to date on the market, and we're going to bring on some really great guests all throughout this season, people in all different fields in the industry, like accountants, home inspectors, mortgage reps, and so much more, just to give you a better understanding of the Connecticut real estate market. We're so excited for a brand new season of the Closing Time Podcast, part of the CMG Podcast Network. It's sponsored by Rocky Hill Accountants. Go see Heidi and Glenn Parchman to file your taxes for bookkeeping, business advice, real estate investments, or whatever your accounting needs are, including cryptocurrency. Just visit RockyHillAccountants.com. We'll see you all season long on the Closing Time Podcast. Attention all basketball fans, CMG Sports presents the Posting Up Podcast, where Lucas Boldick, Sean Scanlon, and King Zay discuss the latest news and topics throughout the NBA. So, if you have a love for basketball, make sure you check out the Posting Up Podcast, live every Tuesday and Saturday on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Also available for download on every podcast platform. So we got the NBA draft uh, starting up on uh, on Thursday, and a lot of anticipation. I mean, obviously, you know, the draft is later. The last two years have been later than it normally is due to COVID. But let's just get right into it. Let's just get right into our mock drafts, and I'm gonna we're gonna start with the Detroit Pistons. And this is an obvious one with the number one overall pick. They're taking Kate Cunningham. This guy is phenomenal. He 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 is uh he he averaged 20 points a game in college. I mean, he's he's a six eight point guard. I, mean, I think this guy could be. It's very comparable to Luka Doncic. I mean, not the best athlete, but he can do everything else well. He can he can score. He can shoot threes. He can get he can get to the bat. He can get to the basket. Yeah, so I mean, this is a phenomenal player. This is the player in this draft that has a chance to be a, has, has a chance to be a superstar. So that's why I got Kate Cunningham going number one overall to the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I got Kate Cunningham as well. Um, again, um, just his unique size um, to play the point guard position. He's a great passer for his size. Um, you know, he's great at getting shots for, his, for himself and his teammates. He's great at creating shots. Um, you know, turnover is a little bit of an issue. And he does, and he, as you mentioned, doesn't have that lead speed. But yeah, this this guy has, Kate Cunningham has the potential to be a, a superstar in this league. 
without question, without question. I think he's the guy. This is the guy in this draft. Oh, yeah. This is the guy in this draft. I think mean, clearly the guy, the guy. I mean, I think he's going to come in the league. And I think he's going to be a top, you know, 30 player in year two. That's my prediction. I think he's going to be that good. I, I could totally see it, especially for a Pistons team that did not have much guard play, and they really haven't the last few years. I think he'd come in and bring a big, big spark to that Pistons um, team and, and, yeah, have a huge impact and trying to rebuild that organization. Oh, without question, without question. Yeah, and they need it because their starting five, outside of uh, Grant, was one of the worst starting fives in basketball this year. So it was a, there, was a, there was a big reason why they had the number one pick. So he's got to be great. for He's got he's to be their franchise player. And that's why you, you tank to get a player like Kate Cunningham. Absolutely, you do. Because, yeah, you're, a, you know, you're getting an absolute superstar like him. Yeah, you know, it, 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 you definitely – yeah, because, you know, for these teams to kind of get back in it and to kind of – be contender, you know, to kind of get back in the playoff picture. Yeah, you need you need a superstar, and yeah, Kate Cunningham is going to be able to bring that to Detroit. Um, you know, for a lineup that that pretty much awful last year after they got rid of Griffin and Drummond or Drummond two years ago. But yeah, um, he's he's a guy that's going to come in here and hope, you know rebuild Detroit and kind of get get them going again because you know that's a team that's had some success and have gotten to some finals and um, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's been a while since we've seen Detroit kind of be there, kind of in the playoff picture. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, they the last time they made the playoffs, I mean, I think it was 2016. I think it was the last time they made the playoffs, so they need they need a guy, they need a franchise player to take to get them over the hump. Uh, with the number two overall pick in, in, in our in our mock draft, my selection is I got the Houston Rockets taking Jalen Green. Uh, I got them taking Jalen Green. I think this guy is a great scorer. I think he, they need they need guard play because you can't count on John Wall to stay healthy. They, uh, you, you, yeah, you can't count you can't count on John Wall. I, I, it could have been him or Evan Mobley, but you know the Rockets they got a good big with uh, with uh, with, with, with with Christian Wood. So I th- I think it's going to be I think it's going to be Jalen Green. I think Jalen Green he could score. The only issue is can he make his teammates better around him? He's a great one on one player. But the issue is going to be is can he make his teammates better around him? That's going to be the, that's going to be the difference with him being a very good NBA player to a great NBA player. Most all the great NBA players in this league make guys around them better. That's going to be the huge. That's going to be that's going to be the big challenge for Jalen Green. Yeah, absolutely. I have him going number two as well to Houston. Yeah, he's a great scorer. You know, he's very explosive. You know, the other kind of um, is he settles too much from from three, and when he at times should probably attack the basket and instead he kind of settles a little bit too much. And yeah, I, there's still some room, definitely room for development for him, but he's a guy that, you know, he's, he's got a lot of talent and yeah, if he can develop, if Houston can get developed the rest of the talent, yeah, you're getting another really, really good guard um, in, in Houston. With the, with the third overall pick, I got the Cleveland Cavaliers taking Evan Mobley out of USC. And a big reason why I got the Cavaliers taking uh, Evan Mobley is you look at their guard play. Their guard play is good. It's Colin Sexton turning one of the top, turning into one of the top guards in the league. And then you've got, uh, then you, you've got uh, Darius Garland. He's, he's, he's pretty good too. So what they need is size. And, and Evan Mobley is that. And Evan Mobley, is a, he's a big who can go out to come out and shoot threes. My only concern about him is, is he strong enough to play against, to score against bigs in the NBA? That's going to be the, that's going to be the thing because yes, you can shoot threes as a center. I, I like that, but is he going to be a complete center? That's my big question with Evan Mobley. That's why 
I'm not 100 percent sure he's gonna he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a top player in this league. Is he gonna be able to to score against you know bigs? Can he gonna be able to play against bigs in this league? So is he gonna be able to score inside against bigs against defense against bigs that are defending him in this league? So that's but I think he's got a ton of upside if he can be that complete center. He could definitely be a franchise player for the Cavaliers. But with the number three pick, I got the Cavs taking Evan Mobley. Justin, who you got the Cavs taking? Yep, I got the Cavs taking Evan Mobley as well. He's a he's unique for a seven footer. He can come out defend the perimeter as well. Um, he's an elite defender. Yes, he can score multiple ways. Struggle at the free throw line. You know, um, that's something needs work. But yeah, it's adding the muscle for him. It's you know because he wasn't really that physical last year down the paint. I thought because again last year in college he's probably one of the best centers out there. I want to see him be more physical, and he really wasn't. Maybe adding more muscle will do that for him. But yeah, you know, he'll get he'll get eaten alive if if you know he doesn't put any muscle on, or you know, or he's not able to play physical in the paint. It's, he will not last very long. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll see what happens there with Mobley. Now the number four overall pick in our mock draft, and uh, that's for the Raptors and the Toronto Raptors. They lucked out the lottery. I mean, usually you don't win, you don't win the championship uh, two years ago and they get the number four overall pick, but th- but that's what happened. And with that pick, I got them taking Jalen Suggs, and a big reason I have them making this pick is Kyle Lowry's a free agent. They need to have a guy. They need another guard with, with him and uh, Fred Van Vliet. Uh, they do have some inside. They got an inside guy in Pascal Siakam. That's why, that's why I got him going guard here. It's a guards game. They need that guard. Uh, I think he's a great distributor, Jalen Suggs. I think the biggest issue with him is can he shoot threes? And a lot of the best point guards in this in the NBA, the best guards in the NBA, they can shoot threes. The Luka Doncic's, the Steph Curry's, the James Harden's, those guys can shoot threes. If he's going to be a superstar and be a franchise player for the Toronto Raptors, he's got to be a three-point shooter. I stress that a ton. He's got to be a three-point shooter. So I'm telling you, I think he's a good distributor. And if he can become a three-point shooter, he can become a franchise player. But – for him to become a franchise player, he's got to be a three-point. He's got to become a consistent three-point shooter. Absolutely, I get Jalen Suggs so two number four. Yeah, it's a three-point shot. Got to you know, yeah, got to get more consistent on that. But you know, he's he's a very he's a competitor. He's got a fiery motor. Um, he can finish at the rims with both hands. Definitely a great passer. Loves to run the floor. Um, you know, on defense too, he's solid on defense. The only problem is at times he plays a little bit too aggressive. And he tries to make the home run play. He tries to get a steal when he shouldn't. Tries to pick off pass when he shouldn't. That's that's something that you know could could that uh, could hurt him against a really good, experienced guard in this league. Um, so it's another kind of issue. But yeah, Jalen Suggs to kind of fill that role for Kyle Kyle Lowry in, in uh, Toronto. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, with the number five overall pick and the Magic have two first round picks. Uh, I got the magic going with the Jonathan. Uh, I don't know. I can't really pronounce his last name. Kumago. Kumago from uh, Congo. So this is a guy with a ton of upside. He can shoot the three. He's a could play both the three or the four. So this is a guy with a ton of upside. He's a little bit raw, but I think if you're the magic, you're really not in win now mode. You got to go with the guy with the big most upside right now. And I think that uh, he has the most, he has the best upside and, uh, that, that's the reason why I got I got him going number five overall to the Magic. Uh, I'm still got the same pick as you, John Kumiga going to Orlando. Yeah, he fits kind of that modern day wing in the, in today's NBA. Yeah, yeah, he's got a ton of upside. Yeah, for a team like Orlando, they got a lot of work to do. Might as well kind of take them and, and 
he's got such a high ceiling. Um, he, he's, um, he, he, yeah, because he's raw on both ends. He's a good finisher on the rim. Um, he's a good playmaker for size and being more of a wing guy. But it's, yeah, he really struggled to find a three point shot. Um, but yeah, it, you know, he's a great attacker. It's kind of, kind of, can the, can the, can the magic get everything out of him to make him the superstar that he can be? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Have you watched a lot of Jonathan Kaping? Have you watched a lot of him? Or no, probably not, not that much. I don't really watch a ton of G League. I watched a little bit, but not not a ton. No, yeah. So we'll see what happens with the magic there. With the number six overall pick, I got the uh Oklahoma City Thunder taking it. was a tough between James Broke Knight and Scotty Barnes, but I got the Thunder taking Scotty Barnes. Another not another team that's not in win now mode. I think you take the player with the most upside. And I think Scotty Barnes does. I mean, he's a guy he can handle the ball. He played point guard for Florida State this year. People forget that. He's uh six eight, uh he's listed as a six eight small four, but he played point guard for Florida State this year. I think him and him and Gilders, because eventually I think they're going to get rid of Kemba. So I think him and Gilders Alexander could be a really, really good backcourt. And I, and I think OKC has got to take the guy with the, with the most upside. And uh, I, I th- I'm, I'm, I'm going with, uh, I'm going with the Oklahoma city thunder taking Oklahoma city thunder, taking Scotty Barnes, number six overall. Yeah, so this is where we uh, change. Disagree. Go different here. Yes. Um, I got James Bogan. I've been hearing a lot of fuel to this pick. Um, obviously James Bognite got hurt last year. The stock kind of dropped while, but again, he only helped himself by his combine. He shot the ball really, really well. Um, you know, he had some great interviews, I guess, as well. So for James, it's, you know, it's obviously he's got to get stronger. He's got to get a little bit better defensively. He's got great quickness. Um, I, I think he's got a ton of upside. But yeah, the thing is, he's got to develop. And I think for the Thunder, a team that's not really going to win now, too, I think it's like the same thing with um, Kumaga. Get, you know, kind of get the potential out of him. Like, I, I think it'd be good to kind of sit behind a um, uh, um, Shares Alexander. Um, I don't think Kemba's going to play a game in OKC, but I would love to see, you know, him and uh, Boat Knight play together. But um, I, I got James Boat Knight going number six and the first UConn lottery pick since uh 2013. Wow. Wow. Yeah. First, uh, we it would be the first since uh, Andre Drummond. Remember Drummond? Oh, yeah. Drummond. Drummond or Lamb. I forget. Um, oh, the, it, it I, would, I think Lamb went after Drummond. It, it, it would, it would, so prob- it would probably, it would probably be, it would probably be Lamb. It would probably, I think Lamb went 12. Yeah. It would be still 2012 though. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. So it was 2012. 2012 not, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's been nine years. Wow. 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 So uh, yeah, yeah, we'll 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 see we'll see what uh, OKC does there. I got Barnes, you got uh, you got uh, uh, Knight. but with the number seventh overall pick, that's the Golden State Warriors, and I got him getting Josh Giddy uh, out of Australia. I think this kid it could be a really good player. I think he could play. He could really, you know, yes, he struggled from three point range, but I think this kid's got upside, and I think this kid because you know this is a good shooting guard. Clay Thompson's not going to play forever. Uh, Steph Curry's not going to play forever, so the Warriors didn't need backcourt help. I think the pick uh, picking Wiseman last year. I think that the problem, though, the problem there, there was is they picked a guy that was going to help their team uh, in that season. I think that they they missed on Lamelo Ball. They missed on Anthony. They they, they missed on Lamelo Ball last year. I don't think they're going to miss on another guard. So that's why I got them taking Josh Giddy with the number seven overall pick. It's also disagreeing this one. I got them getting Scotty Burns from uh, Florida State. He's got elite potential. He's got size, and yeah, you know, as you mentioned, he played point guard last year. 
And he can, you know, play all five positions. He can defend all five positions. And, you know, he's kind of that new school kind of positionless player, um, which teams really like. He's a guy – he's not a great shooter, um, the, and the mechanics are kind of – you know, he's got to work on the mechanics. But, again, playing with a guy like Thompson and Curry could really help him fix that very easily. He's great pulling down boards, um, really good defender. So, I, I think Sky Burns – going to Golden State to at that um, wing spot. With the number eight overall pick, here's where I go with our guy. I got James Boknight going to the Magic. I think the Magic, they go forward with the number five pick, but you can't pass on a guard when you have two two top ten picks. I think this is where they go with him. Yes, Boknight, he's, he, had a, he had a really good career at UConn. The issue, though, is three-point shooting, and, that, and, and, and that's another thing that if he wants to be a great NBA player or a great guard, he's got to be able to do. He's got to be – I'm big on three-point shooting, but, uh, but you need it. You see, you see – all the all the top guards are able to shoot three, so I, I'm, that's what I, I think. Boak Knight needs to improve his three point shooting, but to say if he can get into a backcourt with Cole Anthony, I think it could be a really good backcourt for the Magic, and that's why I got our guy James Boakite going number eight overall to the Orlando Magic. Now, before I give my pick, he was they were actually AAU teammates, him and uh, Cole Anthony. Oh wow! So wow. that yeah, you because know, I Cole Anthony said he was the toughest guy to guard, James Boak Knight. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. So. Um, some history there. That'd be cool to see those two re, re, uh, reunite. But I got Orlando taking another guard. I got him taking Davion Mitchell from the national champion Baylor Bears. He's a tremendous defender. He's got elite speed. Shot 45% from the field last year. Um, he's a good creator, good vision. Um, you know, he, he struggles at the line, but, you know, that's something that I think he'll get better at. And on defense, he's he's really good defensively but the problem is at times you know kind of lets his guard down at times and then when guys actually do get by him he tends to kind of use his hands to try to get you know back and you know gets gets in some foul trouble i guess at a couple you know can get in some some foul trouble so he's got to stay in front of his guy but um i got him taking david mitchell day pick with the number nine overall pick and obviously you like these you know four-year guys from uh baylor you like these three-year guys you know you, yeah. You, yeah yeah i don't i i it's tough for me to take three-year or four-year guys in the top 10 but with the number uh nine overall pick i got your sacramento kings taking uh franz wagner out of michigan i think that i think yeah let's see if you we'll see if you like that pick or not but we got i'm taking wagner out of michigan i i think with their with with the uh, darren fox uh, they, they they still and and Buddy Heald they still have a pretty good backcourt and I and I and I like Wagner and then Halliburton they have a good backcourt so I'm going Wagner I mean he's a small forward I know his three point shooting isn't great but I think it will improve and I and I got confidence that he could be a solid player uh, he could be a solid he could be in that core with Halliburton with Fox I think he'd be in that core for the Sacramento Kings so that's why I got a uh, France Wagner going number nine to the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I would not mind Wagner. I know that's been kind of the pick I've been hearing, you know, but the last few days it's kind of been um, on Moody, who I have. But I, I wouldn't mind Wagner, um, you know, with, you know, going number nine with his shooting. I like his defense, what they need. I, again, and I want Harrison Barnes traded, and he can fill in that spot very easily. So it, I think if they do take him, I think they're probably going to try to get Harrison Barnes, even if it's not a good contract situation. But I could see them trying to move on from him, which would be fine with me. I haven't getting Moses Moody, which I've been hearing a lot the last few days. Sounds like they're kind of connected. Um, he's a three and D guy, which the Kings need a lot of defense. He's great in transition, which the Kings love to play with Fox and Halbert, and um, you know impacts full time. You know um, impacts on both sides of the floor. 
not a great ball handler, but that's something really when you're playing with Fox Halliburton that, you know, that um, they're going to have. I think if they do go with Moody here, I think that probably means it's definitely probably the end for Buddy Heald in Sacramento. Yeah, I think they're, yeah, if, if, if they, yeah, because they'll probably end up, is he a free agent or are they going to end up trading him? Heald, they signed him an extension. Um, it'll be two years in September. So I think he's still got another two years left at about, 23 24 million i think i believe it so is probably end up trading him if they take uh, moses moody yeah that's that's what i'm thinking yeah yeah we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there and with the 10th overall pick this is a pick where i think memphis traded up to get when they when they uh when they traded a, a jonas balanchunas away for uh for us uh steven adams but i think i could see memphis you know trading trading this pick too either up or down but I got them taking Jalen Johnson. I know the guy can't shoot very well, but I see just how, how athletic he is and how much upside he is. I think he could potentially be. I think he's got. He's the one guy in this draft that has uh, that could that could go in the teens. who has superstar potential, and that's why I got the Memphis Grizzlies going Jalen Johnson with the number ten overall pick. I got the Grizzlies going Josh Giddy from Australia. I know they got um, Morant and um, Brooks over there, but um, you know I. I think he's another he's a brilliant playmaker he's great in the pick and roll makes good decisions the floor general he's got a nice jump shot but he's a really streaky guy he's not the quickest guy out there um but i think another guy for um kind of um another guard kind of there with morant um I, I think memphis will take josh giddy yes yes so well that is our nba draft uh it is uh it's gonna be it's gonna be on thursday night eight o'clock should be really exciting to see what happens. I mean, to see where where uh, where Kate Cunningham go. Obviously, Kate Cunningham's gonna go to the Pistons. Seeing Kate Cunningham and Jalen Green, you know, get drafted. Uh, Jalen sucks too. Obviously, that great great shot he made in the Final Four. Seeing him get drafted, so I'm really really excited to see what happens with the NBA draft. But we got the MLB trade deadline coming up in baseball. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Can you believe it? It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. Fires. Swing and a miss. Right three. It's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Tune in to the newest show presented by Clovercrest Media. It's Obi's Backstop Podcast. Catch it twice a week, every Red Sox series finale on your favorite podcast platform. Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. That is baseball with the Bard every uh, Sunday at eleven o'clock. So de- definitely, definitely, definitely want to tune in, check that out, and definitely want to tune in, check it out this week because they'll be definitely be talking trade deadline. But before we talk trade deadline, we'll talk about the Yankees and the Red Sox in their previous series this weekend. As Yankee fans, I, I know they won last night, but just another blown opportunity. Even though the how for how poorly they played, thank God Oakland's playing the way they played. And Seattle traded their closer because we got a good now a pretty good chance of getting the second wild card, but. You know, this team, this team, and, you know, this bullpen, is it's, it's tough to trust. This offense has just been inconsistent all year. The one bright spot has been the starting pitching. I mean, yeah, two, the last two starts from Montgomery have been good. You got an outstanding start from Domingo Herman. 
he threw, uh, you know, eight, 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 seven no hit innings. And then he gets obviously get Boone, why shows you why Aaron Boone should be fired, takes him out, and up, uh, and uh, they, they, they give that game away. And then, you know, on, on, on Thursday night, you know, they, they don't have Louis Sessa close, they bring Chad Green to close, he blows the save. Obviously, they stole one on, uh, they stole one on uh, Saturday, and then obviously on, uh, on, uh, on, on Sunday, just 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 it's, it's a brutal loss, and then and Friday, you know, Devers hit the home run, so three out of four in a series where the Yankees could have, could have taken three out of four. And uh, where do you see the Yankees at right now? I, I think they have a chance to get the second wild card, but obviously the division is over. Yeah, the division's over. Um, and now the A's just actually got Charlie Marte for Jesus Lazardo, so that's going to make things much more tougher in that sec to get that second wild card spot. I, again, but I I don't really know what to think of the Yankees. I it's just a mediocre team, and I I think I, they're now I think it is like eighty five and you know um, seventy eight or something over like the last one sixty. Like it, again, you know, um, it's a mediocre team. I don't you know. Um, I rather kind of see now the trade that they made this morning with Wilson and Sessa. Mean I I would think something's probably going to happen today because that's just it sounds like it's just clearing forty man roster spot. So it, it you know I would think the Yankees get something today. We'll see what it is. I'm hoping it's like a Joey Gallo type bat. But look, you know it, it's it's the same thing with the Yankees because it's you know we saw it was like kind of June the rotation was struggling and then it was like the bullpen helped them out and kept the Yankees in games. Now the rotation's great, but the bullpen can't save a game. It's just they can't hit at the same time at all this year, and it's been the problem. It's just, look, again, you you signed Justin Wilson and Darren O'Day after, you know, and those are the, you know, and you give away out of, you know, to Boston. It's just, you know, bad decisions, and it's, you know, again, yeah, maybe you get the second wild card, but, and, and I know it's kind of free-falling at the playoffs, but I haven't seen any consistency to think that this team could go to beat Houston. I, I know they swept Chicago, the White Sox somehow, but again, I think maybe, yeah, you get to wild card, but I don't know if they go to Tropicana Field and dock off the race. I, you know, I, I you know, with Cole on the mound, I feel better because it's, you know, especially Glass Sounds out there, I feel a little bit, I feel better, but I'm like, the race kind of, you know, the race really aren't, yeah, the Re- the Rays have hit Cole pretty well. Oh, oh, absolutely. The Rays have hit Cole well, and the Red Sox have hit Cole well. So, you know, Cole has been you know Cole has been great this year, but he's struggled against against the good teams. That that's been the problem. He's he struggled he struggled against all the good teams. He struggled against the Rays and the Red Sox this year, and that's and that's not good if the Yankees want to get to where they want to get to. I, I mean, uh, and, and and obviously look at Aaron Boone's terrible moves in this series. I mean. Not, not, uh, not letting Sessa close the game and then pulling Herman, which is absolutely terrible. And, and and it's reasons why he obviously needs to be fired. Even if this team loses in the wild card round, I still think he needs to be fired. I mean, I, I, I don't think Aaron Boone. The only way Aaron Boone saves his job is if this team gets to maybe the ALCS. That's the only way I could see Aaron Boone saving his job. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, and I don't see that team. This team getting the ALCS unless if something drastic happens in the next forty-eight hours. So yeah, you know. And then the other problem is, I uh, you you listen to his press conference Sunday. And again, it's like he was questioning his own moves. And wasn't that something that Steinbrenner could not stand? Like he'd fire you for doing something like that. Oh, you know, like I think yeah. that happened to Bill. Hold on Sunday when he had when he had the infield in. That 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 was just yeah. inex- I mean he had no he had the, he had the not, not the infield in, but have, having the you know the, have having Torres and uh Odor back. Yeah. I mean, you gotta have the infield in in, in a four three game to throw to, yeah. to, to throw the guy out at the plate. You can't be back 
in a four three game. That's a terrible move by Aaron Boone. There, terrible. Absolutely, because you know if that tie, if the tight the game, the Red Sox tie the game, you know it's you know the Red Sox will win that game. You have to keep the score four three, and and for some reason he just didn't have the they didn't have the urgency. And for a guy who for the last month has been saying these are all must win games, then why aren't you managing like they're must win games? Because even Thursday night, I know he hates to throw guys out there for three straight days, but you, who cares if they're injured in September? It, you know. When you maybe you're out of the wild card race, you got to burn these guys now. You know, I know the the infield in was another terrible one, but it's just been like he just contradicts himself. And, and then, and then I'm tired of the you know we played we battle back from adversity. You lost three or four. What is that? And then it's like he's speaking to like it's like the Yankees are a little league team. He speaks to like this is the New York Yankees. You know, if they if if this team really can't take any constructive criticism, they should not be playing major league baseball. They shouldn't, you know, I, I, I just, uh, you know, I'm yeah, just, I'm just fed up with Boone and his, you know, press conference. It, again, it's just pointless. He shouldn't even do them anymore. If he, it's just the same, the, the same spiel every night. Exactly. Exactly. And let me tell you, if it's not for the starting pitching, this team would be in big, big trouble because the yeah. starting pitching has been the strength right now. I mean, I mean, obviously Montgomery has two starts. Tyone has pitched well recently. Uh, Harmon pitched a great game. You got Garrett Cole pitching well. Hopefully you can get Kluber and Severino back. That's going to be what's going to get this, probably get this team to the second wild card. You can't trust the bullpen. You can't trust the lineup. Yeah, you can. And, you know, again, like the problem is I, you know, the, with Harmon, it's like the guy hasn't, been stretched out in a month, and then, you know, for a guy that didn't pitch all of last year, I kind of worry about the effects of next start, you know, about his arm. You know, obviously, you hope the Sevy comes back soon and Kluber maybe late August, early September. But, yeah, Montgomery, they finally scored a run for him last night for the first time since, what, mid-June? Like, you know, he's been pitching well. He's starting to be de- dependable. After Tyone, after those first three innings Saturday, he was great. His ERA now is under two for the month of July. He's been pitching well. He's, you know, so yeah, it's, it's, can the rotation kind of keep them close? But it's like the offense can't give this team a seven, eight run lead to be able to protect it because that's what they need right now to protect, you know, to win a game. They, they have to be winning by like eight runs or again, you know, we're sitting there going, how's, how's the bullpen going to blow it today? So yeah, you know, I don't know if they're going to add another bullpen piece, but you know, usually, well, they added Clay Holmes, which it, it, you know, I'm friends with a Pirates fan. He's like, he's, he's not very good, but, you know, if he's a pitch of contact guy, I guess he throws a 99-mile-per-hour sinker. That's so an, another high-velocity guy, but not, you know, again, nothing, you know, too nothing, you know, nothing that's going to really change things. And we know the rotation is right now, I think, getting stabilized. The lineup, I think, is going to be inconsistent all year unless they make a move. For the bullpen, what would you do in the bullpen? What I would do is, is I would I would make it. Uh, I'd, I'd have it be. Uh, I put Green in the sixth, Louisa go the seventh, Britain the eighth. Even though Britain wasn't great, and then uh, then have Chapman for the ninth. I would have I would have that. I would have it. I would have it that way. I think Chapman absolutely stays the closer. I think it was idiotic of Boone to, to not have him being the closer. It cost him that Houston game uh, during the uh, before the All Star break. So I would go. Uh, uh, green, green sixth, Lawazica seventh, Britain eighth, and then Chapman ninth. That would be the way I would do the bullpen right now. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go Britain. I go right now, Britain the sixth inning because I want to see him some low leverage spots because it's like he's only pitching nine games and he really hasn't looked great in any of them. 
So I, I for now, again, I, then I could probably, I'd move him up to like seventh or eighth inning. But right now I like to see him get some low leverage spots and just kind of, you know, get, get some traction going. Seventh, I go Louisa, eighth, I go green. And then ninth, um, Chapman, you know, I just switched, you know, for him, but, um, but yeah, um, again, you usually hopefully can feel confident in those four can lock it down, but who knows this year? Yeah, that's the thing. The bullpen, you just, you just don't know at all what this bullpen is going to be for the Yankees. And that's the big question. Now we look at what the Yankees should uh, be targeting at the trade deadline. And obviously one of their biggest targets is gone. That's that, 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 that's Starling Marte. He's, he's, he was traded to the, he was traded to the A's. So it's now down to three guys, two guys pretty much for me. It's down to Trevor Story and it's down to uh, down to Joey Gallo. It's down, it's down, it's down, it's down to those two guys. So, what 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 would happen between those two two guys? We'll see. But uh, I think right now Trevor Story is, is is has the better chance of going to the Yankees because I think there's less teams that are that 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 are out. Uh, there aren't as many teams out for his services, and I feel like the Yankees do still have Judge and Stanton in the outfield. So I think. I think it's going to be Trevor Story, who's the the guy who I think would have the best chance of being on this team uh, after Friday. I actually have Gal, but I did when I was looking today. I did hear the the Rockies wanted Clint Frazier, Anthony Bal, um, Balpa, who's been tearing it up in high eight. I know the Yankees said that he's off off um, trade. You know they're not trading him, and then um, Calvin Alcatraro, who's another out like high eight outfielder. So I don't know. Then um, that was it. So I don't know. Um, you know, it, it well, it, it you know, what the kind of coming, I don't know what, you know, Kyle, or, Kyle, or the Yankees have come back with, but, um, so yeah, I could see Trevor story. I heard too, he hasn't played out for the professional career, but I heard, you know, he could play center field. He, he could tr- he would try out there. They do definitely do need it. Do need a center fielder. Um, I kind of have, I have Joey Gallo. I think they need a lefty bat power um he's a guy he strikes out a ton but he does not swing at balls and this this whole team does not nobody knows the zone so maybe he can work on some of these guys is helping him with the strike zone a bit um but and he's got one more year control left as well so i would love to kind of see him for a whole year at yankee stadium because he wouldn't even need to kill have to destroy the baseball it's like he can kind of he's so big and strong he just flick it out the um right field and hit a home run most of the time but um, I, I'm kind of hoping for Joey Gallo. I know the Rangers are trying to extend him right now, but I want to see Joey Gallo in uh, pinstripes. Oh, yeah, I would too because he has that left-handed bat the Yankees desperately need. But there's there's I, there's, there's competition though for Gallo. I mean, there's the Blue Jays, there's the Padres. There's there's definitely some competition for Gallo. And the thing about Trevor's story is, yes, if the Yankees if the Yankees if, if, if the Yankees just give up Clint Frazier, give up your prospects, just give them up. Clint Frazier ends up that good of a year. I would give up Clint Frazier for a for a. Trevor story right now yeah I probably would too I just you know um, he hasn't been able to stay healthy it's been such a you know down year for Clint he was finally supposed to get that uh, left field position so yeah I, I think it you know even for Clint I think it would be better for him to kind of get a new start go go to city like Colorado um I, I think it would be a nice spot for him so yeah it, the um like the prospect I know I know Alcatara is like 11th I don't know you know, I don't think his stats are like off the page. I know Valpozar. I know he's a shortstop, and I know like he. I think he's batting over three hundred. Like, you know, he he's he's tearing the cover off the ball, and I know the Yankees don't no part of him. I believe he's eighteen, so yeah, it's like we're not going to see him for another three years. But 
I think that class of what I've heard for the Yankees, though, is pretty deep in high A. So, you know, I don't know if there's another guy the Yankees are willing to give up, but, um, you know, that that's kind of what I've heard and what I've seen from kind of just looking at the stats. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing is, is we'll see what the Yankees do, but I do think they need to add a bat in this lineup. I think that I think they have to add either Story or Gallo if they're going to be contenders. One of those two. If they don't, then you could pretty much you pretty much say the season's over because this offense, the way they're hitting right now, is not good enough to win without adding a bat. Yeah, absolutely, it, it's not. And you know, again, you hope you get Boy back, but when he's been hurt all year, it's yeah, it's been inconsistency. It's Again, for Stanford, he hasn't gone the aisle once or maybe once. Yeah, he went on once. He's got 15 home runs. He hasn't held a home run in like a month. And some of that bats this weekend were just absolutely pathetic. It's like it's great to have Judge back. He looked good, and you can usually count on Gio. Glaber looks like he's starting to figure some things out. That's great. He's still he's got to get a hundred times better on the base path, though. But yeah, it's just inconsistency. It's just you don't know who you can trust out in this lineup day in and day out. The really only guy you can trust is Judge. And I would even put Gio and I in DJ outside of those three. It's like I, I don't really trust anybody any given night because you don't know again because guys can go 0 for four, four strikeouts or three for four with you know two home runs and six RBI. You just never know what you're gonna get. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I think the Yankees definitely need to add a bat in this lineup if they want to be want to be a contender if they want to make a run at that second wild card and be a contender this year. But we'll move on to the Red Sox and. Uh, what can you more can you say? I mean, they've they've just had timely hitting all year long. I mean, obviously it's Kiki with the huge double on on Thursday night. Uh, you obviously Devers who was should be an MVP candidate had those two home runs on uh on Friday. You had uh you obviously had uh, uh you you had uh, Monday night. You had Monday night with Verdugo. You had Kiki getting that big hit again on sun on Saturday, Sunday. So you've had key hitting all, all year long their their bullpen's been good even the rotation Evaldi looked I mean, even though they lost Evaldi looked really good on Saturday but I think the big thing the Red Sox need to do is I think they need at the trade deadline I think what they need to do is they need to add they need to add some starting pitching they, I mean I think they've heard Jose Barrios John Gray Kyle Gibson and also first base has got to be a priority with Anthony Rizzo or Carlos Santana yeah absolutely I think I've heard first baseman they are interested in Anthony Rizzo which I guess they did draft him out of um you know, coming in. So they did draft, so they have some familiar familiarity with them. Um, starting pitching, yeah, they, they probably need some more depth. Chris Sale, I think the target date right now is like August 10th. So you're about over, just about two weeks from Chris Sale coming back. Um, yeah, adding like a fourth or fifth guy, like a Kyle Gibson, I think would be perfect for him. You know, adding a reliever like a, you know, a Greg Kimbrough, I don't, you know, kind of something like that would be great as well. But, yeah, I think the first bait – I know they put Franchi Cordero over there. We've been kind of learning it down in single, um, AAA. They wanted Roy to play there as well, but, again, he got hurt again. So, I, I think the hope is if he can come back, they don't make a move, he'll probably be the first baseman. Um, but, yeah, like a first baseman, like a fourth or kind of, you know, low end of starter. I know they've been there for Serger and, and Barrios, but I know Hein Boom said he really wants to um, – build that farm system back up and they're starting to do that. So I don't know if you give up kind of the high end prospects, maybe a, I don't think they should Jeter down to one of their top. He's a middle infielder, but I think they've been playing more second base. So they need the, you know, second base kind of a whole cause Kike is not going to be there forever. So, you know, they kind of change the site. So I would probably say they keep them, you know, hang on to him, but yeah, somewhere in the kind of first base starting pitch a reliever. 
um, where I can see Boston going. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, reliever because you know you saw what happened on they got to avoid what happened on Saturday. I mean, they can't have what happened on Saturday. They got they got to avoid that. So I think they definitely need to, to beef up the bullpen, even though. Kimball would be a great option. I don't know if, if Hyam Bloom's going to go for him. They need, they need to beef up and reliever, and obviously first base and and start and and, and start. But I think starting pitching is going to be the priority because you don't know what's going to happen with Chris Sale coming off Tommy John, and then you can't rely. Even though Valdi's pitched well, you can't rely on him being your number one starter, especially going into the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, it, you know, you take out Chris Sale out of the equation. Yeah, he's your game one starter. He's been good, but yeah. Um, yeah, you can't really rely on him. He's been healthy lately. That contract's starting to look like a good one that was probably one of the reasons Nebraska got fired but it's starting to look better but yeah you you can't and then with Pavetta it Pavetta if his curveball is on and it's and he's missing bats he's good if that cur if he can't get his curveball going he's very hittable so you know Pavetta depends on the pit Perez just been you know very um Inconsistent. Tanner Houck again has looked really good. You're, so. you're right about him. You're right about him being the next uh, Chris, being close to like him being like Chris Sale. Yeah, that's slide. It, it's you put them side by side, and they have the same delivery. It, it's insane. I remember watching his like um his debut, and I was just he looks like Chris Sale out there. He models himself after that. He's a big Chris Sale fan. He's from the you know uh, Midwest, so. You know, he watched a lot of movies with the White Sox, so it it, it shows. So yeah, I think that guy's in Hawks gonna be or Hawks gonna be a big uh big piece in that rotation for a while. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then Eddie Rod, and before he got hurt, he pitched better. And that was another guy I was getting yeah. on. I was getting on him. Uh, I was getting on you about him, but he's pitched better. Since he has he, and, yeah. before the injury, he did. Yeah, it sounded like it was migraine symptoms. I know for oh you know, okay was, okay. So I remember him uh, coming off the mound on uh, on Friday. Friday, what was happening there? Yeah, because the worry was there was like it was it like a, an effect from COVID because it looked like he was like his breathing was like kind of you know like that was something that was it was concerning so you know it, it's kind of relief I guess that it was just migraine symptoms I think he's gonna make his I, he's gonna make his next start um, but yeah he's been better it was just you know the stuff was there it was the pitch location and the sequence and he's starting to just put it all together I think time just missing last year he just needed that. <laughs> to get himself going. And yeah, he's having a really nice second half of the year for a guy who's a free agent at the end of the year. So, you know, he's got to, uh, you know, he's got to, he's got to look good these last few months. Absolutely. A absolutely. So, so yeah, we'll, we'll see, we'll just see what happens there. And uh, right now you look at the Red Sox in first place in, in the AL East. What, 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 what do you think? Do you think that, that this is going to continue or do they have to, or, or uh, I mean, do you think they're going to continue to continue to play this way? Because you see the thirty-three come from behind wins. That's that's a lot, but that's that that eventually could 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 catch up to them, especially for a team that has wasn't expected to be as good as they were this year. Yeah, it could. You know, I think the Rays, their big move is Cruz. I don't. I'd see maybe doing something minor, but I just watching this team pretty much every night. They're just a you know, they're just. I, I, they just have so much confidence. I think there's just so much belief that when they're down, they're never out. You saw that Sunday, like, so I, I think you know they're going to be able to keep this thing going. Yeah, maybe at one point they get kind of you know shut down. You know, we've seen them kind of chill against the Astros. I think they split with the White Sox back in um, early April. I think they still go to um, they still go to Chicago. I believe in September. Yeah, because they but, really because they really struggle they really struggle against the Astros and they really yeah. and they I think split with the White Sox earlier in the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they split with the White Sox. Um, that was um, 
um, like the um, Patriots weekend, they split with them. They got the Giolito. They hit him hard. But, yeah, they threw into the Astros. So, I, again, the way they played against the AL East, I um, they, they're 28 and 13 against the AL East. They've been great. Or, yeah, 28 and 13 against the AL East. They've been great against that part. They've been great there. So, I, I think it will continue. I do think this team's going to win the division. I'd say Tampa, you know, maybe a glass on is coming back, but I don't not really – I don't think that's happening. So, you know, the Rays don't really have a true ace at the moment. So, even though what they do is unbelievable, but I think Boston does win this division. Yeah, it, 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 it's getting it, – it's going to be close between them and the Rays. And we'll actually – now we'll transition over to the Rays and we'll, and we'll talk about the move they made at the trade deadline with Nelson Cruz. And two questions here. I think you answered the first one if, is if they are the best team in the division. You said they were the second-best team in the division. And I do agree with you there. I still think they're the second-best team in the division because I don't think Nelson Cruz is good. Here's the second question. Are they going to be world? Are they World Series are they championship contenders with this move? Because I thought they, I think they already are. But does it make, this make them more of championship contenders with this move? I think it does because it's a team, Tampa Bay. They haven't gotten any production out of their the H spot. They're only batting two nineteen. You know, they really haven't found that consistency out of the DH. With Cruz, you find that he's a veteran guy that's been the, you know, he's been around for a while. You know, he's hungry to get back to, you know, to get to World Series. You know, you know, this race seems hungry to get back there. Um, I, I think it's a nice move. I think it, it's too a good move. Um, I heard, you know, it, like for a guy like Wanda Franco at shortstop to talk to, you know, a guy that's been around for a while that's a great hitter like Nelson Cruz, I think could do wonders for, for Wander. You know, who's a top prospect, supposed to be, you know, going to be a fabulous player one day. Um, so yeah, I think he makes this move or he helps the race big time. Again, they, they spend a lot of money, you know, he's making 13 million. I don't know what the contract situation is, you know, how much rest they're going to pay for it, but it's probably the biggest trade move the race have made, you know, like money wise, probably in their, in their franchise history. They don't usually make moves like this, you know, only, you know, they're, they're usually pretty good about it. So yeah, I think he's gonna, um, he, he definitely makes them better. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a really interesting race between the Rays and the Sox, and they got a big series this weekend. And what and what are your thoughts on that series between the two teams this weekend? Yeah, down in Tropicana, the last time they meet, um, you know, three-game series, I say Boston, you know, the way they're playing, I think they, they're able to take two out of three. They'll have a Valdi going Saturday and, and Sunday, Nick Pavetta. Um, they played pretty well against the Rays this year. I, I think the Red Sox are able to go down there, and I – I think they they steal um, two or three from Tampa Bay. Yeah, very interesting. It's gonna be an interesting series between those two teams. But we got a, we had another move in the trade deadline earlier this week, and that was Adam Frazier going to the to the Pirates. And I think he adds you know adds that leadoff hitter. He becomes that leadoff hitter in that lineup with Tatis, with Hosmer, with Cronenworth, with Manchado. I think he becomes that leadoff hitter. And the big question I'm gonna ask Justin is, are they the best team in the NL West making this move? Um, I think on paper they are. I still think the Giants are going to win that, that division. They're five game bags. I know that I think they still have the Giants like six times. I think they still have six more games than the Giants, I believe it is. But I I, I think the Giants are five back at San Francisco. I think the Giants are be able to hold off the Padres. Um, again, I could see them getting that first wild card depending on what the Dodgers do. I think on paper they do have the best team. Now they, they have four all-stars in that lineup. So, you know, that's that's really good. You get a contact guy, a guy that can play the play play the outfield as well as second base. So, 
Um, I think on paper they are the best team. I don't think they will get past the Giants though in the division. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, that'll be nice to see the Padres, the Dodgers, and the Giants. Now, talking more of the trade deadline, a pitcher that all three of those teams are interested in the NL West, and that's Max Scherzer. And I think the way where the Nationals are right now, they're eight, they're eight and a half games behind the uh, they're they're eight and a half uh, games behind uh, the the Mets in first place in, in the NL in the uh, NL uh, in the NL East. And I think that uh, I think that Scherzer gets traded before Friday. I really do. I think he gets traded before Friday. I think the team. He gets, I guess he gets traded to one of these three teams, the Dodgers, the Padres, or the Giants. I think he's traded to one of those three teams. And I don't know who the favorite is, but I think it's going to be one of those three teams that you're going to see Max Scherzer get traded to uh, on Friday. Yeah, I heard I heard it's going to probably happen tonight at some point because he's supposed to go tomorrow. So, the you know, Nash will kind of figure out, you know, what to do in a spot. So it sounds like before midnight tonight he'll be gone. I need to be the Dodgers. It seems like a, a move the Dodgers would make kind of uh, coming out you know, they're so depleted, you know, Kershaw's going to be out, you know, for a while. Um, you know, obviously Bowers probably not pitching anytime soon. So for a team that's so depleted right now in that rotation, I, I think the Dodgers make a move. We've seen them do it before with um, you Darvish and Manny Machado. They're not afraid to kind of go get the big star here at the trade deadline. Absolutely not. Yeah. You see, you, you definitely, you've definitely seen the Dodgers be really, really aggressive at, at, the, at the trade deadline. There's, there's, there's no surprise there. And now we look at the Chicago Cubs, just the Cubs as a whole. I mean, they got, you know, they got a lot of, they, they're, they're really thinking they're going to be selling. I think the one guy they're going to keep as their franchise player is Javier Baez, but I won't be surprised. I think they're going to trade Bryant. And I think they're going to trade uh, Kimbrell and I wouldn't be surprised if they trade Rizzo either. So I think that team's going to be busy, but we'll start with Chris Bryant. Uh, you look at, look at teams interested, the Mets and the Rays. I think it's going to be between one of those two teams to go get Chris Bryant. And uh, imagine if the Rays get Chris Bryant and Nelson Cruz, that would be a really, that would be really, that would be uh, a huge trade deadline for them. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, you know, I don't know what maneuvering they have to do to kind of stay over the cap situation, stay under the cap situation. Um, but yeah, the Rays are able to add a guy like Chris Bryant to that as well as that lineup that's kind of versatile with the Rays like. Yeah, you know, it, it's a lineup that slugging wise kind of the on it's all kind of middle of the pack. I know like run scores are fourth. I think home runs are like seventh, I believe. Um but sometimes also because you score a ton of runs in one game, and you score no, like you'll score like 15 runs in one game, and then one run in another game. Yeah, no, it, it's it's yeah, yeah, that does happen in baseball. But yeah, yeah, and you you kind of look at the rest of their offensive stats, and they are you know middle of the pack kind of. So yeah, you know this would be a really nice move if the Rays are able to actually kind of be able to work this thing out here and kind of contract wise um, for Chris Bryant. It, it, you know, it's really showing the Rays are really, really trying to t- get a World Series. They're, you know, it's great too to see small market, a small market team make a move like that. And uh, and obviously, you got the Mets. You know, really wanting Chris Bryant. Do you think the Met, what kind of chance do you give the Mets in landing Chris Bryant? I don't. I don't. You know, I don't see it being a huge um, chance here. They're kind of healthy. I know besides Lindor, they're pretty healthy. They got JD Davis back. I know they're not hitting well. That's the um, problem. That's why I think they might get him because yeah. they're not hitting well. I think they need another bat. Yeah, they do. It's just where do you kind of put some of these guys? You move JD Davis to the bench, or you know, do you move um um do you move Dominic Smith to the bench? Like I think, you know, those are tough. I think you move Dominic Smith to the bench, you have Brian play left field. Yeah, yeah, I could totally see that happening. I think the Cubs want Ronnie um Marcia, who's a top shortstop for the Mets. 
in top, you know, but the Mets want to hold on to him, even though you got Lindor for the next 13 years. But so I, I don't know if the Mets have the farm system either to go get him because I know that's it's pretty depleted at the moment. But I could I could see them if you know Cohen's really invested, which I know he is. I could totally see them making the move here to um, get Bryant, but I'm not I'm not totally sure though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think you know I think he'll get traded, but I think the I think the it's hard to say if it's going to be the Rays or the Mets. So I, I, but I do think he'll eventually. I think the Cubs will trade. I mean, they're definitely going to trade the next guy. We're going to talk about Kimber, but we'll see if the Cubs do trade Chris Bryant. But I think the Cubs are right now. I I, I think they're going to find a team and, and, and trade him. Yeah, I do too. I I threw the Giants out there as a wild card. Bell and Longoria hasn't been healthy. They haven't got production out of left field. So I I have the Giants too being a very possible suitor for him as well. Yes, if we'll they don't see. get surgery either. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what. Yeah, Scherzer's gonna be the big one. We'll see where Scherzer. Sure, if they get Scherzer, obviously they're done. But we'll see. We'll see mm-hmm. that, that's gonna be the big chip for for for, for, one, for those three teams, the NL West. But we'll go back to the Cubs and uh, we'll, and Craig Kimbrell looks. It looks like they're definitely gonna trade Kim, Kimbrell. Teams interested: White Red Sox, White Sox, and and Padres. I could definitely see him going to the White Sox. I definitely could see you know him him and Liam Hendricks being a nice one-two punch in that rotation. I also could see him going to the Red Sox, but I don't know if Hyam Blooms we talked about is gonna make. A big splash during this trade deadline. Yeah, I, I don't know if he will. You know, talking about with, depending on what they have to give up and contract. He, he, I think he's owed about sixteen million for next year. Which you know, I know they're trying to stay under that. Um, I believe they still have. I think they do still have some wiggle room. So I think they probably be able to figure that out. White Sox would be interesting because yeah, I think they do need. They still do need the help. You know, behind um, Hendricks, they don't have much. You know. The, the two Chicago teams have made a move before. We saw um, Cortana. They did, you know, the Cubs lost Jimenez in that deal. Um, they, they haven't been afraid to give up their top prospects. But, and then Padres, it's, the Padres have a pretty solid one. But again, you add a guy like Kimbrell, just to, it solidifies that more. And you can never have enough depth in the back end of that bullpen. So, yeah, I, I think right now the White Sox are the more likely chance. But I think Padres are right behind them. And then we look at Joey Gallo, Yankees, Padres, Blue Jays interested. Padres are in on everyone, but and we don't even know if the Rangers will move him. It's not a definite if the Rangers are going to move Joey Gallo because he's still, I think he still has two years left on his contract. But I would say right now, I would say I say the, the, the I think the most likely scenario is he stays with stays with the Rangers. But I wouldn't be surprised if he if he went to the Padres, the the, the Blue Jays, Padres, or the uh, or the Yankees. Yeah, I know the Rangers are still trying to. Um... Yeah, extend them. It sounds like too. He wants to stay in Texas. He doesn't really want to get traded. Um, you know, yeah. I, for me, I think the Padres. I think now without or or now that they got Frazier, I think they're more. I think they probably look more pitching wise. You know, I don't know if they'll. You know, maybe if they don't get Kimbrel or Scherzer, I could definitely see them pulling the strings. They've been aggressive. Blue Jays. Um, I know they're hoping maybe they get Corey Dickerson back soon, but with their lineup, I don't know. You know, I would think they're more in the starting pitching, you know, and reliever kind of pool there. But, you know, again, with the Yankees, as we mentioned, I hope he's got 25 home runs this year and the Yankees lefties only have 22. So, he's, you know, again, it'd be a great lefty bat to have. In Absolutely. Joey Gallo. 
Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll see what happens in the trade deadline on Friday. We'll we'll, we'll definitely we'll definitely be talking about it next week. But uh, we got to talk about something Justin's been really looking forward to talking about, and that's uh, that's Texas and Oklahoma, and they are and there's and they're they're going to join the SEC in uh to 2025. I mean, I doubt they'll probably be in the SEC by 2022. But let's get into let's get into it, uh, dive right into it. And what is the reason, Justin, for Texas and Oklahoma? joining the SEC and leaving the Big 12? Uh, it's, you know, one, it's they're going to get more TV money. You know, again, outside the big, you know, uh, SEC just signed. They're going to get, I think, over like $300 million, you know, over 10 years, starting in 2024. Um, that's a big part of it. I think for Oklahoma, it's competition-wise. You know, I think with their home schedule every year, you know, you don't play Texas at home. Oklahoma State is a big rival. But outside of that, I know Iowa State's been really good. But it's like their home schedule is not, you know, what it what they want. Um, I don't think both teams either. I know Oklahoma doesn't. They don't like the big noon kickoff on Fox. Oklahoma wanted Nebraska to play, you know, to be a night game down in Norman this year. Fox said no. They they wanted that at noon, and I don't think they like the 11 a.m. kickoffs. Um, I, I think it also is a move, too, of where um, I, I think it's the power five shifting away from the group of five and – I think they want a bigger piece here because outside of, you know, nobody else in the big 12, you know, um, and I think with the 12 team playoffs as well, you know, they could afford to have, you know, a couple, you know, a loss or two, because you're going to have four or five SEC teams, you know, probably making the 12 team playoff at this point. Um, you know, for, for Texas, it's, I think Texas trying to get their brand back. You know, they kind of, you know, they've been mediocre, but look, they haven't won a Big 12 championship, you know, in over a decade. They haven't been national championship since 09. You know, I, I think they're trying to get their brand back because they people, you know, they, they're kind of laughed at now, like Texas, you know, like, you know, kind of joke around about them. Oh, yeah, all the time. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it really they really haven't been the same ever since they lost that national championship game no. to Alabama. No, it's been downhill since. And, you know, I, I think that's part of the issue, too. And um you know, some of these teams too. And I think the last reason too is recruiting wise. I, you know, the Ohio States of the world, the Alabamas, the LSUs, you know, Georgia, all these, you know, Clemson, all these teams are able to come down to Texas now and kind of say, why do you want to go play in the Big 12? You know, when you're going to be in a much more competitive league in the SEC, you know, in the Big 10, you know, stuff like that. And I think recruiting, um, again, Texas is kind of, you know, they, they start keeping trying to get it going, but Texas, you know, they've lost out some big guys at AM, you know, to Oklahoma, to Ohio States, you know, like they, they've lost some key guys in the state of Texas, which they never do. So I think it's recruiting wise as well, even though that opens up the door even more for the Savings, the Orgerons, the Smarts, Kirby Smart to come in and get, you know, poach even more out of Texas. But I think Texas is going to do a little bit better in keeping those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Recruiting is definitely a big reason why. I mean, you know, it's tough to get a kid to if, if yeah, if you want to go play for Alabama or if you're a Texas kid, you want to play in the SEC. If you're if like an SEC school is recruiting you or Texas recruiting you, you you might be going to an SEC school. That 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 that's that's just that's just the way it is. Now, uh, when do you think these teams will enter? I, they say 2025, but I think that's total nonsense. Yeah. Uh, when do you think they will be in the the SEC? When will be the first season they'll play in the SEC? 
I think it's in 2022. I know it's, you know, yeah, through 2025. But again, you could kind of think of this as like a breakup, you know, divorce situation. Why, you know, they're not going to want to stay in the same conference. The pack, the Big 12 is going to want to, you know, kick them out. You know, again, I, you know, I know the Big 12 right now is going to try to sue them and stop this. Again, I, I that's not going to happen. I think after that kind of gets all settled out. I think it's going to be next year. I think the Big 12 kind of just ends up kicking them out and just saying, see ya. And, you know, good luck, good luck the rest of the way. Um, it, I think it. I think it's next year. I think we're going to see Oklahoma in Texas be a part of the SEC. What is this now going to do to the Big 12? I think it's obviously – will, will this lead to the – will this lead to the demise of the Big 12? I believe so. You know, again, it's about eyeballs. And, again, they could – you know, try to poach a UCF, a Cincinnati, BYU, Boise State, but what's that doing? Iowa State's AD in 2016 said, without Texas and Oklahoma, the Big 12 is a Mountain West Conference, and he's completely right. They're going to, you know, they're, they're going to get kicked out of the Power 5 discussion now. Um, a, again, I, I, a long shot, they probably try to get Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah. I don't see that happening, though. I think that's a complete long shot. I think it kind of dismantles. I think, you know, Oklahoma State tries to move the Pac-12. I don't know if they try the Big 8, you know, something that was way back when, back in the 90s. You know, um, I don't know if they go back to that. I think they kind of break. I know Kansas wants to – Kansas and I – Kansas wants to bring Iowa State to the Big 10. The Big 10 already said no, which kind of, I think, suits well for Big East, where Kansas goes independent maybe football-wise, ends up going to Big East for basketball. I think that's a possibility. You know, I, I think the Big 12 is going to fall apart. I don't know if the eight teams are keeping together. And if they do, and this Power 5 or Power 4 would be kind of go out and, and kind of make their own type of league, then I, you know, the, the Big 12 is going to get kicked in with the, 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 you know, the leftovers. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll be definitely monitoring the story all throughout, all throughout the college football season. But, and, and I agree with you, Justin, don't be surprised if Oklahoma and Texas are starting the college football season in the Big 12 in 2022. So we'll wrap up the show talking about the Olympics. And we'll just talk a little bit about Olympic bat, the, the, the Team USA. And they actually had that huge loss to France. But they they, they came back. They beat Iran 120-66. They play the Czech Republic. I think the loss to France is kind of a big deal. But they're probably going to get into the medal round. But the pressure is on this team now. There's no more losses. Or this is the obviously one of the biggest disappointments for us in the Olympics since 2004. Absolutely. You know, yeah, I thought Sunday, um, Sunday they kind of were in control most of that game. And, it, you know, they did not shoot the ball well. They hit free throws well. France ended the game 16-2 run. And I think part of the problem was to – this team just came together a few weeks ago while most of the teams have been playing for months, you know, probably, you know, you know, probably since January, February, you know, wherever kind of they're able to start practicing again after COVID. So I, I think that part of it is all these guys kind of getting together. It's a different game now, too. You know, again, it's, you know, NBA, you know, they can't get away with some of the stuff that they do in the NBA. And I think it probably takes a little bit of adjustment for them to, to be able to do that. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, they, they, they're probably going to beat Czech Republic. I'm not too worried about that. Obviously, you know, Iran, I, you know, it's only the third time they've had a team in the Olympic basketball, you know. So, yeah, I think, you know, right now they're going to be fine. But – there is some worry. They, they, you know, Evan Fourier had put up 28 points on you. It's a team you should have beat. It was a team you're winning most of that game. Um, 
but yeah, it's a team you had to be. It's a little bit concerning. I, Australia hasn't looked too sharp either, which you know it's been good. Spain's looked pretty good, I believe. They're two and zero, but yeah, it, there there is some worry. But um, you know, the whole maybe one more game together and they kind of get it going and you know hopefully find a rhythm. Absolutely, we hope they do. We absolutely hope they do. So that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R&J. For Jason Garcia, thank you for stepping in. My technical difficulties, it was our producer, and Justin D'Onofrio. I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking any NFL news that comes our way, uh, uh, any uh, Yankee, Yanks, and Sox, and the Olympics. Have a great weekend, everyone. Manning lobs it. Burris long touchdown. It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the Tiger? High fly ball, right field. Grossman back, track, wall, see ya! Into the second deck, a grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge, and the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group, and here at CMG we have a wide variety of podcasts including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Man. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting CloverCrestMedia.com.